Hey, everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. This is a college football podcast. It is basically a podcast dedicated to the greatness that is college football. Um, I'm here with my co-host as usual, Ian Gibson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. All right. So what we do is we do a recap of the games that happened in the week previous. We do a Heisman standings and we do a CFP look at, and then we'll go ahead and do a uh, week, the next week's look ahead to the games that are going to come up. So with that being said, let's recap the games that happened in week seven. But before I do it real quick, let's do our socials. So you can reach us at haterradio.com. Twitter and Insta, you can do at hater underscore radio for both of those and hater radio one at gmail.com. Ian, what is yours? Yes. Yeah, so G double underscore uh, gator double underscore G for Instagram and G gator G for YouTube. Awesome. Okay, great. So let's move on to week seven. We're going to do the show relatively quickly tonight just because I'm kind of uh, on a schedule here because I'm, I'm a little behind. Uh, so week seven, uh, we're not even going to do this first game. I'm going to look over Baylor, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia wins. It was a close one, but whatever. So we're going to move on to Penn State, Michigan. Uh, I'm very surprised it went the way it did. I was tracking this game. I'm trying to think what else I was watching at the time because this was a 12 o'clock game. Um, What other game was I watching? There was something on that I was watching more than this I game. Know, Auburn and Ole Miss was on at that time, and I think Kansas. And oh, Oklahoma. you know what it was? I was working out. That's what it was. Oh, I, knew, okay. I knew. I knew there was some reason why I wasn't watching it because it wasn't on at the gym, and so like I had no way of knowing unless I saw like I looked on my phone or whatever and saw the update. But I was noticing because I watched a little bit of it and I was kind of bored with it, and then like halftime. They were like it was like seventeen. Um, it was fourteen, thirteen for uh, Penn State. Yeah, the but thing was was that they had one first down to Michigan's like eleven, and they were winning the game. Yeah, and it was like the what I saw in the highlight package was like Penn State had like two big plays like the whole game, and it was like that was it. Besides yep. those big plays, they didn't really have anything else, and you know that was pretty crucial because. The the real difference was Michigan's ability to run the ball and also really their big plays on uh on the run game. Um both of their running backs went off. Um Blake Corum and uh, Donovan Edwards, they both went over like 160 yards and both had two TDs. I thought Donovan Edwards was the better of the two backs. Blake Corum obviously ran the ball more. He had a 28 rushes. But I think the thing that I noticed more out of this game, it looks like Michigan really doesn't have a passing attack. And that will probably be their weakness when they go up against better teams. I don't really think Penn State deserved that 10 ranking, that number 10 ranking. I thought they were okay team, like maybe like an 18 or 19 team. Um, and because they, they really haven't played anybody either as Michigan. Um, but um, I think that, you know, Michigan's only real test that they're going to have the rest of the year is, um, I believe, Ohio State. Yeah, they, they don't – well, Illinois, but I don't – I think, again, that's another team that, that I have no – I don't have any idea what this Illinois team is because a lot of these teams in the Big Ten West are terrible, Ian. Iowa's terrible. Minnesota is, like, okay. I mean, they have some talent, but they're, like, I don't know. They're losing to teams that they probably shouldn't. And then uh, – but just the, the Big Ten West in general is garbage. Um, but um, I think – uh, Michigan, when they go up against a bigger team, a better team, like Ohio State right now has a really good defense. That is definitely uh, – it's better than they've had in the last couple of years. And because of that, it's going to be harder for Michigan just to be able to run the ball because if – I think all you'd have to do against Michigan is just stack the box and then you're going to force them to throw. And more than likely, uh, J.J. whatever his last name is, is – McCarthy is going to throw some picks and he did throw a pick in this game and he only had like 145 yards. So 
I expect it to be the same going into the Ohio State game. Very uh, putrid uh, passing attack, and that'll be the difference because C.J. Stroud is going to get his, and they're going to score a lot. But what are your thoughts on this game, Ian? I will say the telling thing is that I, I do think Donovan Edwards did have the better game. He did more with less. But I did say I I will die on this hell. Blake Corum is the best running back in the nation. And I don't care what anybody says. I saw that game and him rip through the line. And he's so – the dangerous thing about him is how agile he is. He's definitely got the speed. He doesn't have the bulk to, like, break tackles, but he doesn't need to because he can just shake past a linebacker. He's fast enough to burn the secondary once he gets into the field. And, yeah, Michigan is obviously run first right now, but, you know, now you have Donovan Edwards uh, and Blake Corum as a two-headed attack. Um, if they're clicking, passing won't be as necessary. I do agree, though, that if it does come down to it where you can just stop them and they're forced to pass it, you've got them right where you want uh, Michigan. Uh but with that being said, this was a big statement win uh, for Michigan. They, you know, they knocked down the top ten team, and I do agree. Penn State, you know, was kind of inflated. Um, I think Michigan just was the better team. And the thing that came telling most for me from this game is that I think Blake Corn was the best running back in the country. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, uh, Auburn, Ole Miss. Um, I don't really have much to say about this because Auburn. Made it a game. You know, Ole Miss was up. I think they were up 21-0 at one point. Sure. And then and then Auburn made it a game. But, you know, it was it's one of those games where it's like Ole Miss was comfortably ahead almost the entire time. No, even when it felt like, you know, even when it was that Auburn came within a touchdown, it always felt like Ole Miss was going to be or even they got within four at one point, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like Ole Miss just felt like they were going to win this game no matter what. Cause like Ole Miss can move the ball. And, you know, that's really the difference is like they're not afraid to, um, uh, you know, uh, gash teams. And God, three rushers over 100 yards. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of amazing. Cause like, Jackson Dart didn't have that great of a game. He only threw for 130 yards and nine completions, but he had three TDs and, you know, their running attack was really what the difference in the game. He was running the ball too. He, he, yeah. He, they, they all, he was running all day. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, 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 a tremendous game on the ground, um, but 578 total yards and 448 of it was on the ground. That is, that is impressive. Um, but uh, anything from this game that stands out to you? Um, this was, you know, again, good win for Ole Miss. They remain undefeated, which is key. I did kind of suspect this would be kind of a trap game, and it almost was, but the better team did win. Uh, Auburn yeah. just couldn't get out of their own way. They had three turnovers, um, and it did show another layer, though, to Ole Miss is that, you know, if they need to run the ball, they can. Um, right. And it shows the mobility of Jackson's art that, you know, although he's – a good, you know, at passing, he can also be, you know, very dangerous running, which I think has been overlooked a lot. Um, so that's something a lot of teams got to worry about now because it's kind of a double-edged sword with this Ole Miss team is that they can either beat you on the air or on the ground. Yeah, uh, and I'm looking at their schedule. This is the first SEC West team they've played all year, which is remarkable that they've gone seven games and have yet to and play an SEC West. Game. Yeah, that's – that, that's crazy. But uh, now they're going through the gauntlet because all of their SEC West teams are left. And so they got LSU, AM, Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. And only two of those are at home, Alabama and Mississippi State. The rest of those are on, road, on the road. So tough road to go. But uh, let's move on. So interesting game, Kansas-Oklahoma. This was another game that Oklahoma was he- ahead almost the entire time. So it never felt like Kansas was really going to be that much of a threat. And they really weren't like they tied it 14, 14 in the first quarter, but it was like from then on out, Oklahoma just was in control of the game. And I never, I never really felt like Kansas was going to win this game. 
Like it just felt like, you know, with Dylan Gabriel, they're a different team. Like they got shut out against Texas and had like, what was it? Like 39 passing yards in that game. This one, they had 403 from Gabriel and then had a tremendous day on the ground as well. I mean, they had 701 yards of offense. That's insane. That's like, but that's like uh, some offenses, two games. It's like Iowa's three games, Yeah, you know, and like, it's crazy. That That is a ton of offense, nearly 300 yards on the ground, uh, 403 on the, in the air. Like I said, just a crazy good game from them. Um, big 12 game. Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much back to that form. You know, they can't stop anyone, um, but they can sure can score a lot of points. Anything from, from this game stands out to you? God bless Kansas. You know, it was a good run. Again, I I love – I do. I want Kansas – I want these bad teams to be good. It's not fun when a team is just consistently bad. Yeah. It was good for Kansas. And, hey, you know, they did – you know, they didn't lay down and die. Like, you know, we see all the other years. They do put up a fight. It's good to see from – but it was clear just Oklahoma had the better talent and the better team. So the better team won. Um I, I do agree. Yes. When the uh, Gabriel is back in, the offense just clicks better, um, yeah. which is very, very important. I think if Gabriel stays healthy, Oklahoma can kind of just snap out of this. It's crazy to think that this was their first conference win for Oklahoma. Yeah. And I actually did some homework because I have no life. The <laughs> last time Kansas came into a game where they were ranked and Oklahoma wasn't was 1992. Oh, wow. That's 30 years ago. That's crazy. It was so long ago that it was a tie. That's how long ago it was. That's how the game ended. (laughs) Thanks for making me feel old. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, cause I remember those games when they were ties. I remember the choke at the doke. You weren't allowed to just lost that game as a Gator fan. Then just tie, man. (sighs) Nobody wins. How how the hell were they up 31 to three and end up tying that game? That was, It, it, I I I was like, I'm pretty sure I was going to like a soccer tournament or something, and I was like, in the car with the people that I was with, the going to the game, and um, we had the game on the radio, and I was like, oh, they're up ahead, and then ended up in my friend's house, and by the time I got to my friend's house, uh, it was like the lead was dwindling and dwindling. It was just crazy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but- no, anything from that? What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, God bless America's team, Kansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, moving on. Iowa State, Texas. This was a very interesting game. This is back and forth. Um, Texas really only took the lead at the end, winning 24-21 um, on a fourth down uh, conversion in the uh, in the end zone. And, um, you know, this is a very good Iowa State team. It's they have four losses, but they're probably – I would say they're probably one of the better four-loss teams, probably the best four-loss team in the country um, just because of how good they are. And they just – they've had a tough schedule, and it just goes with playing a tough schedule. You're going to lose a few, you know, more more so than, like, if you have a soft schedule. Um, Quinn Ewers looked average. Um, he made that mistake early where he had, like, a – uh, backwards pass to the running back, and then like uh-huh. it was a fumble, and he got he got lucky that did, did nothing resulted from that. But the rest of the team looked pretty good. Bijan Robinson had a strong day. Um, he did. Uh, Ewers did have three touchdowns, so you know it was that that was stood out. Um, as far as the rest of it, I think I think this Texas team is dangerous. Obviously, destroying Oklahoma like they did stands out. Um, but this probably stands out a little bit more because this is games they used to lose, you know, the last several years. And this is one that they didn't. They, you know, stood up to them. They 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 played to the very end. They got the touchdown when they needed. I mean, getting a touchdown on fourth and goal with like four minutes to go is a huge play because um, it could go either way. And it's, uh, you know, it's. It's good for them and hopefully good for college football if Texas is truly 
turning the corner. We have to wait and see because they were also back, you know, four years ago. And then Tom Herman got fired shortly after that. So yeah. you're not truly back until you probably win a big 10, a big 12 championship, or they're not even going to win that. Cause they probably won't even win that before they leave. I'm more than likely thinking that they're going to, um, they have a better shot at end up winning an sec championship. If before the, these last next couple of years, if they win a big 12 championship, but anything that stands out to you, Ian, before I move on, I will say for Texas, like you said, things that have changed the, they showed up when they had to play a tough defense and won this game. The last time they had to play tough defense was Bama. And they couldn't pull it out um, as hard as they tried. But Iowa State, like I said, they're a Big Ten team in the Big 12. Yeah. So it really sticks out. But they played really solid defense, typical of them. And for Iowa State, they just couldn't score enough. Um, but for Texas, they persevered because usually when they play a tough defense, they absolutely crumble and they have to yeah. rely on the shootout. But this was – a breath of fresh air. They were able to, you know, fight off the adversity and stay, stick with the game plan, and they were able to get the much-needed win. Yeah, and I think, you know, with that Bama difference that in that Bama game was the fact that Quinn Ewers didn't play most of that game. And I think if Ewers was in that game, most of it, he more than likely leads them to victory, I, I'm thinking. Um, but uh, let's move on. Um I'll talk about Minnesota, Illinois. I didn't actually watch the the highlight package, so I'm going to actually let you do the discussion on this one. Uh, Illinois wins 26-14, but I want to hear your thoughts on this, Ian. Yeah, the, for this one, it was typical Big 12 stuck-in-the-mud fest, very run-heavy, very low scoring. I believe Morgan like of Minnesota only like threw the ball 12, 12 times. 21 um, yards total. Yeah. That's what, insane. What's fascinating to me about this game is that it took Illinois to the, like, late in the third quarter, I think. Or no, like midway through the third quarter to take the lead because they were dominating Minnesota on everything. I believe they had almost 500 yards and Minnesota almost had 200. In the time of possession battle, Minnesota had, like, 40 minutes of it compared to uh, or uh, Illinois. Illinois did, yeah. Yeah, 40 minutes. So it's one of those things where it's just weird. Shows you how crazy college football is. Um, but, again, you know, the Illinois, they ran light on the run, um, and the defense was able to, you know, get the stops necessary and, you know, fight a pretty predictable um, offense uh, for them. Chase Brown, I believe he had almost 200 yards, and um, Tommy DeVito – a really good game uh, for him over 250 yards. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that stat. Um, yeah. You know. I will say they have definitely surprised probably everyone in the country because Illinois has been a terrible team for a long time and they're really like competent you know that's probably the best way to describe them as like they're not like you know 400 yards passing you know something crazy like that they're just very good at the running attack and then solid in the passing attack so they're like you know and their defense is solid too i mean obviously put up a huge game against minnesota here only allowing 180 yards um i don't know it's just it's surprising. I don't. I don't think anybody saw this Illinois team uh, making this big of a difference so far this year. Yeah, agreed. Okay, moving on. Uh, I'm not going to talk about this one. Georgia wins fifty-five nothing. Nothing to talk about there. Yeah. All right, Oklahoma State TCU. This was the game of the day, besides the other one. But uh, this was definitely the game of the day for me, at least. I really enjoyed this one. Um, you know, I really think these two teams are the best teams in the Big 12. And it obviously shows because it was a game into overtime, double overtime. And, you know, TCU ends up winning 43 to 40, just back and forth. Uh, Oklahoma State had like a 14 point lead and TCU came back and just epic fashion. And it was, you know, such a such a great game. Like it was a thriller. And um <laughs> God, 
TCU had 510 uh, total yards. Oklahoma State only had 386. I thought they would have had more. It seemed like they were getting a lot of big plays, but TCU had a ton of big plays, like all over the place. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was fairly even everything else. There's not really anything that stands out to me that like one way or the other besides the yardage differential. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on this game, man? Again, I, it's kind of been the story of TCU, and I remember hearing you in the pregame, is that they have a knack for making the big play at yeah. the moment. Um, and that was true oh, yeah. in this one, and that's what it came down to. And yeah. so it's TCU, the, really the difference was that this, these teams are so even, and I was like, of course, it's going to overtime. These yeah. teams are so even that – I remember, you know, when when the game was over, it, it came down to TCU made the big bigger plays when Oklahoma State did it. Not to say Oklahoma yeah. State played bad. They played fantastic. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't play bad at all. Yeah, they did everything they possibly could have done to win. Yeah. It's just TCU came up with the bigger plays. And that's what it, you know, again, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah. Um, very big win for TCU. They're definitely in the driver's seat of the Big 12 now. Um, not set in stone because uh, for Oklahoma State that they're done because they can easily you know face this team again, which I would love to see in the Big Twelve Championship. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We got another half of a season to go through. Yeah. Um, overall, very uh, fantastic game. Uh, honestly, I remember saying too, like this was one of the best Saturdays to as a college football game because we were just spoiled with so many great games with great teams. Oh yeah, this was a great day, and I'm you know I. I didn't have anything else to do. I actually went to a specific place to go watch the Gator game. So, you know, it was um, – I really enjoyed my Saturday, and I'm glad I got to watch a lot of football. Um, so let's move on from Oklahoma State TCU, but actually the game of the day, which we, I didn't have listed in my rundown, but um, Tennessee, Alabama uh, – Game day was there. SEC Nation was there. Um, Peyton Manning was the guest picker for game day. You know, the crowd was hyped. You know, there was the tickets were going for astronomical values because this was the game that Tennessee was going to finally beat the mighty Bama team that they haven't beaten in 15 years. And they did it. Tennessee wins 52 to 49. Um, both quarterbacks had tremendous games. Uh, Bryce Young had 455 yards. Um, Hendon Hooker had 385 and an interception, potentially could have had two. And that's what I'm going to talk about more than anything. Ian, I'll let you do your spiel on it, but I'm just going to do my spiel. My only thing from this game was a yes, it was a tremendous game. You know, Jalen Hyatt had five TDs uh, receiving, which is tremendous. That's ridiculous. It's probably one of the bigger numbers you ever see in a big time matchup anywhere, like ever. And, um, but the one thing I'm going to leave from this game that stands out to me the most was in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go on a fourth down and hooker throws it into the end zone or just outside the end zone. The Alabama defender hits the, receiver as he's at the as the ball is coming it bounces in the air uh kool-aid mckinstry grabs it in the end zone runs it out to the to the 20 of tennessee like an 80 yard return and there's a flag and the flag was for pass interference and that was the difference in the game and like as much as everything else was great about this game and i loved it and it was tremendous and it was back and forth and it was high scoring and it was ridiculous to have the game decided on that one call, it just feels so, I don't know, deflating. Just just like it's terrible that that was the deciding factor. And it really was because if they if, – if the call stands and there's no pass interference, more than likely Alabama scores there no matter what, either a field goal or a touchdown. And if a two-score game with, let's say, under two minutes, 30 seconds – Tennessee is more than likely not going to win that game. And that game is basically over. So, you know, the refs decided this game and it's a shame. Ian, you can say whatever you want and I'll let you talk, but I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to say. I just wanted to give my piece. This is, this is one of the one times that I will gladly say that this is, 
I, I don't usually do it. I try not to because I know it's like you could say it every time because every call sometimes is a judgment call. But this one stood out to me more than anything. And uh, but uh, Ian, I want to hear your piece on this game. Yeah, at least for the uh, the game, I I said that this was the biggest game Tennessee had this century, it, like post two year two thousand, and and it was. I mean, even after all the times. You know, they played for I like I think of like when they beat them after like a 14 or 11 year streak or something like that, or all the times they played Georgia. This was easily the biggest game Tennessee has had this century. And it was absolutely fantastic. It was everything and more I could have hoped for in a football game. Um, Tennessee showed, yes, they have the best offense in the nation. And it's not to me, it's not even close. Tennessee's offense is so dangerous and dynamic and Hendon Hooker if, if people are not saying he's a Heisman candidate they're not watching the right game then um he was absolutely fantastic same with uh Hyatt six receptions five touchdowns 200 yards that's like a Randy Moss stat um it was absolutely fast fantastic to watch um back and forth as they went and Remember, Tennessee almost blew this. They were up 28 to 10, and Alabama was dead in the water. And yet they kept them coming back. They kept them coming back. They couldn't take them away. And I knew exactly what Saban was trying to do because he knew what kind of game he was getting into early. It was going to be a shootout, and Alabama can win in shootouts. I remember when they played Florida in the SEC championship in 2020. I we I remember we both said if it comes to a shootout it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last, but unfortunately, Alabama likes to play keep away, and that's exactly what Bama did. They had almost forty minutes of possession time. The problem was it didn't matter. Tennessee's offense can score like that. It like in the blink of an eye, they can score, and they found a way to beat that system. Um, it, I I will also say to at least on Bama. I'm not trying to like kick them while they're down, but I think to me, out of all the years where people claim Alabama is overrated, this is the year where I'm like, there may be a kernel of truth to it. Because looking back on it, I remember saying this. If Bryce Young is not in this game, this isn't close. Bryce Young was literally the only thing holding Alabama together. Um Alabama's defense has been beyond underwhelming um, this this so far this year. And it, it just is weird when things don't go their way. They just struggle, which, you know, not everything's going to go your way as a team. And we've seen Bama struggle in games. But this year especially, it's like they can't, like, break free of the shackles. And Tennessee took full advantage of it. Um, easily – Biggest win Tennessee. This is probably the biggest win Tennessee's had since they won the national championship. And I'm being dead serious. It's, you know, they beat their beat a team for the first time since 2006, the number three team in the nation. Um, and they catapult into the playoff picture now. Um, and they're in the driver's seat of the SEC East. And the road's not close to being done for them. Um, but they, as much as I hate to say it as a Gator fan, they impressed me again uh, coming through this. And I, even if they lost, if it, the script was flipped, like it was 52 to 49 Bama, I still would have been very impressed with Tennessee um, in this one. And I have no problem saying they're probably the best team in the division, if not the conference. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Cause I just want to get through these quick tonight. So, Next one, NC State, Syracuse. Syracuse wins 24-9. Now we have to start saying Syracuse, a team that's undefeated, and where's the respect because they're not getting any. But um, they have a couple of games coming up. Clemson next week, Notre Dame the following week, um, a Florida State game, and then a Wake Forest game. So they have four games in front of them in the next uh, five, six weeks that will really um, tell the tale of their story. 
I think if they win two of those games, which they could, I could see them beating Notre Dame and Florida State. I think that's a successful year, and they could beat their other two matchups because I think they're better than the other two teams they play besides those four, um, which 10-2 and two is a great year for Syracuse. Like, who would have thought Syracuse was going 10-2 and two this year? Not me. I definitely didn't think that. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on just Syracuse in general? Yeah, it, they haven't gotten the respect because, um, you know, the teams they have been playing haven't been of – Higher, I think their best win was Louisville. Um, oh, Purdue. Purdue was a yeah, good Purdue win. As and, well. and the NC State win is obviously a caveat because um, what's his out. face? Yeah, the quarterback was out. So it's like if he was in and they beat him, then it would be like, oh, that's a really good victory. But he wasn't in there and they're – their backup can't even throw, you know, more than 10 yards. So it was rather easy for Syracuse to get this victory. But regardless, it's a great start for them. I mean, I remember, you don't remember because you were, you weren't even born yet, but Syracuse was really good in the 90s. Yeah, Donovan Donovan McNabb. And it wasn't even just Donovan. It was even before that, almost all of the 90s, they were a good team. And, um, you know, I just remember them contending with Miami and Vatek in the old Big East. And uh, it was a shame to see them fall as far as they have the last 20 so years. Um, it's good to see them back because you could tell, like, I don't know if you how much you watched the game, but the crowd was into it and the crowd oh, was yeah. loud. And I was, was like, like man, basketball game. That's what I'm saying. Like, I was like, holy shit, this is different. Because I, I don't know that is a detriment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And I just, I don't remember the crowd being as good as it's been probably since the 90s. And I was like, man, this is, this is legit. I hope they can keep this going. Because I think these people want to be fans again. They just kind of left because there was nothing to cheer for. Um, but anything else that stands out to you before we move on? Yeah, it, it, Syracuse is definitely, you know, taking the mold of like a run heavy team when you have, you know, uh, the running backs of like, you know, Sean Tucker and Schrader, that's really all you need to do. Um, it's going to be tested obviously in the coming weeks. Um, Clemson is, you know, obviously no easy feat. Um, because they're going to be at Clemson. Same thing with, you know, Notre Dame comes to Syracuse as well and wake with, you know, how prolific their offense is, yeah. but they have definitely, you know, shown that they can, you know, hang with teams um, and get, you know, get these wins when necessary. Um, May not be pretty, you know, may not be, you know, they may be ugly wins, but they definitely show up as a W in the book. So it's, if that's how they have to win, that's what they've shown me is that they will do whatever they can to possibly, you know, get points on the board and win a game. For sure. Okay. Uh, Moving on. Um... All right, these next four or five I'm going to do real quick. So Arkansas beats BYU 52-35. Kind of both of them fell off. Now they both have three losses. So I'm kind of like whatever about both of those teams because they're not really contending for anything. Liberty beats Gardner-Webb 21-20. So Liberty keeps winning. That's good for them. Just kind of a struggle against an FCS team, which is surprising, but whatever. Uh, James Madison, we finally... I finally picked this team to like watch them play and I didn't even watch their highlights and I feel like a <laughs> such a schmuck but they lost anyways uh 45 to 38 to Georgia Southern um real quick from you anything that stands out there or Oh man it was a freaking offensive shootout man yeah. it was like um <laughs> uh Ventrese had over almost 600 yards for Georgia Southern and I remember I I think I remember saying it last week is like Georgia Southern has always been a consistently good team and so you yeah. can't just walk in and expect them you know to win they've always been they had a great rivalry with app state um but yeah holy cow it like it was one of those things where you know it went back and forth back and forth and you know big pass after big pass and over i think it was over a thousand yards of total offense but again james madison i think they had over four turnovers that that's killer because again yeah i always say it's not just turning the ball over you're taking time away for your offense to be on the field and you're giving it to the other team. Yeah. That was key because it was only a one score game and it was a, um, they scored late. I think with like a minute, 
um, and 10 left, Georgia Southern did, to take the lead, and they got the two-point conversion. It didn't matter. Um, but, yeah, they just went down the field. In a minute 18, they went 75 yards. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it. it's funny because, like, Georgia Southern was an option team for forever, and now – putting up nearly 600 yards passing. That's just crazy. Okay, moving on. We'll do these two really quick. Um, Tulane, USF. Tulane wins 45-31. I was watching the game. USF was staying with them for a little bit. You know, when Gary Bohannon went down, that was pretty much it for them. And he gets hurt, and then Tulane just takes it over. Uh, LSU, Florida, uh, 45-35. All I'm going to say is I'm just disappointed with the defense, and it's terrible. Um, Ian, what are your thoughts on this game? And then we'll move on. Yeah, um, I'll make it quick. Like I said, books out. This defense is not good. Um, Clearly, the secondary has been very anemic. And I remember saying it, too. How is it that, like, we find – like, it's always against – LSU, we like play our worst. Um, but very, very disappointed. I will say, you know, I didn't get the, you know, clock management again w- was kind of a problem as well. Um, Richardson, he didn't have a bad game, yeah. but he was not, he was more hot and cold. And I, I did say at the very end, LSU had the better team. They had the better players. Jane Daniels was uh, better at exposing the defense. Um, so it, it just – that's what it came down to. LSU just had the better team. Yep. Okay, moving on. Uh, I will also I, say, just quick side note, I was watching the USF game, and I saw them hanging in there. And I was like, oh, man, that, or, or USF. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, USF, they're doing good. And then I saw Bohannon go down and went, oh, fuck. Oh, uh, yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. That's exactly what I was at work. I saw that and I went, yeah. oh. Yeah, I knew, I knew exactly it was over when happened. he got hurt. I was like, and I don't know what his prognosis is, but it doesn't look good either way. Okay, um, Clemson, Florida State. Clemson was up 34-14 at one point. They went on in a like four minute span in the game from two minutes left in the first half into two minutes into the second half scored 17 straight points went up by 20 and that was pretty much it because Clemson didn't score after that and Florida State ended up scoring some garbage time points to make it interesting but uh I mean this is another game where it was like Clemson was well ahead and they had a comfortable lead um they probably could have put their foot on the gas and scored another touchdown or two and really like embarrassed Florida state, but they didn't, they kind of like slowed down. I don't know if that was a mix of Florida state actually making stops or Clemson just slowing down. I mean, from the highlight package, it's hard to tell because they really just once Clemson scored those points, they just show Florida state highlights from that on. Cause that's all he really was, was those highlights. Cause the Clemson really- got, a lot more conservative and anemic yeah. and it's like i always say that's fine now but you can't do that for every team and again nope. it was a one score game and i i you, florida state did score and there was two minutes and 17 seconds left and if they got get that onside kick you know they're not they're looking pretty stupid um not putting on the gas i, I the funny thing i didn't you didn't mention with that is that they got florida state a taste of their own medicine because when Jimbo Fisher was there at Florida State, they used to always have it where it'd be like a minute, two minutes left before halftime, score a touchdown, get the ball back in the second half, and score yeah. a touchdown or like a 14-point swing right there. Yeah, Dan Mullen was good at that too. It it definitely – I that's why I honestly prefer deferring to the second half because it's like I would rather do that. where you're at too and you can yeah, get I, it yeah, I would much rather do that because it's demoralizing. You do the two touchdowns in a row, like if a game is close, and say if it's like a 14-10 game and you score two straight touchdowns, you go up 28 to 10. That's a three-score uh difference there. Like you're basically like winning that game like no matter what. Um but like I told my brother and all those fans uh, you know, they were going to lose five of the next six. And as of right now, that's three. Ian. And I keep telling them, I'm like, just wait. Cause now what looks even worse is Georgia tech 
looks even better now. So now that could be a potential loss as well. So they might even lose six of six that I was talking about. So whatever. I hate Florida State, and that's just uh, what comes through. So here we go. All right, next game, Mississippi State-Kentucky. Interesting game. Very close to the end. Uh, Mississippi State had an interception return for a touchdown to make it a three-point game with uh, into the fourth quarter, but then – uh, Kentucky comes back and scores a touchdown to uh, go up 10, and that was it. Um, Will Levis was a little hurt, but he came back. He threw that bad interception, like I said. Um, Will Rogers didn't really have a great game, which I was surprised. But, you know, Kentucky's defense is strong, um, and they – were very good against the run in this game, only allowed 22 yards of rushing for Mississippi State. Um, really, the difference in the game is the fact that Kentucky held the ball for 40 minutes. You know, that's a big difference right there. Um, you know, it's it, especially with the air raid, which, you know, Mike Leach runs, it's it's definitely hard to hold on to the ball with when you're not running. So, you know, if you're getting in bad bad down and distances and you know they had only three uh third down conversions out of 11 attempts and one fourth down conversion as well but it just it didn't look good for them their offense was struggling the whole game it was only three to three at halftime and kentucky just slugged it out and that's what th- this is kentucky's type of game this is exactly how they want to win games they want to win games by like seven to 10 points, maybe even three points, just barely winning. They're fine with that because they don't have the best offense. They can run the ball, but their offense is not set on throwing for 400 yards a game. It's only really, you know, a uh, a run-heavy attack. And, you know, Chris Rodriguez had a good game. He had, uh, you know, nearly 200 yards, and he carried it for 31 carries. So he definitely had a really good game. And, you know, I just think this team – is like a eight eight nine win team. I don't think they're any better than that. I think they're just okay. I thought this Mississippi State team was turning the corner and was going to be better than what this result was. But, I mean, here we are. So, um, Ian, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head where they just held the ball for so long. It, it's like what I said, what Nick Sam tried to do with Tennessee. It's just Tennessee was able to score quicker problem was Mississippi State couldn't. They just were not on their game uh, in this one. But when you're playing the air raid, a fast-paced team like Mississippi State is that can score well, you have to play keep away because you can't yeah. give them the ball for too long. The longer you give them the ball, the more points they're going to score is what it comes down to. So Kentucky played it perfectly. Defense did a good job in the coverages, um, forcing Will Rogers to be uncomfortable. Um the longer he was in the pocket, the more uncomfortable he was, especially with the pressure added. Um, and Kentucky was able to, you know, just grind out those drives um, on the ground and just refuse to come off the field. Um, so definitely a big upset for Kentucky because um, I thought, you know, Mississippi State was, even though Kentucky uh, was probably one of the tougher defenses they were going to play, um, but it was a good job from the offensive uh, play calling to just, keep the ball away from Mississippi State as long as possible, and they played it perfectly. And once you get to that two-score lead, it was enough to um, put put the dagger in the heart. Okay, moving on. Uh, another really good game, USC-Utah. Very controversial. There's a lot of uh, USC fans upset with how this game ended, but Utah wins 43-42. The real thing that was, like, ballsy as hell was uh, – Winning him going for two when they uh, uh, got that last touchdown. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting the extra point to tie it, they were like, you know what? Let's go for it. And they got it. And it was great play call because it's like you never know what's going to happen in um, – uh, you never overtime. know what's going to happen in overtime. Like there's – you know, you could easily lose the game. Um, and at least when you have the ability to win – I think you want to take that chance and they took it and they, they won and they, they didn't rely on anything else. So like, you know, we have the chance to win it right here. Let's just win it. And they pulled it off. And, you know, um, this USC team is still really good. You know, like 
Caleb Williams looked great. 381 yards, five TDs. Um, Mario Williams, Jordan Addison, you know, the offense is great. Travis Dye was solid. It's just, you know, the defense was kind of suspect, but Utah's got a good, a good experienced um, offense led by Cam Rising. And, you know, I just think it's a tough game. You know, Utah lost last week against UCLA and, you know, they were probably licking their wounds a little bit, but they got, they got themselves off the carpet. They got back up and they, they really fought in this game and it was back and forth. The entire game was literally like score for score, like the entire time. It was a very good game. Uh, you know, highly entertaining, uh, probably one of the better games of the day. I would say this, the Alabama, Tennessee game and the TCU, Oklahoma state, some of the better games of the year and all happened to be on the same day. Um, so we got very lucky as college football fans to see these games. And, uh, you know, I was happy to watch it and I'm, you know, it sucks that USC lost, but it's one of those Ian, where you say like, you know, you don't want you don't want either of these teams to lose because they both played very well. You want to see both of them somehow get a win, but there has to be one victor. And and today it was the youth. So, uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I rem- whenever a coach goes for a win, I'm never going to get mad at him. Like when a team goes for two, it's like even if they didn't convert there, I'm not going to get upset because I was like, the coach wants to win. How am I going to get mad? You're going to get mad at a guy for not wanting to win. That's yeah. I've seen that before. Where like the I think it was um, Pittman um, a couple years ago, where or maybe it was last year when um, they were playing Ole Miss and he went for two to try to win it, and then they were getting on him for the play call. Um, And I was like, well, decision to go for two, and I was like, well, you want him to win, right? So that's what he tried to do. But again, besides that, this was a really good game. Utah, again, I, I've said they are the most complete team in the Pac-12. And it showed they were down by multiple scores. They were down by two possessions, I think, like three times in the game. And they just would not go away. They yeah. kept, you know, they kept USC at bay. They, you know, were able to just keep coming back and play uh, their game, which was very important. Um and again, it was one, it's one of those things where whoever had the ball last was probably going to win. Um, so Utah ran it um, and got the um, touchdown and the two point conversion. Obviously, paid off. Um, and it was definitely like you know, kind of a air raid kind of show uh, game. It was all passing most of the day. I, both teams, I think, had over a hundred. Actually, I think USC almost had two hundred, but. It was all offense. Caleb Williams, Cam Rising had a very fantastic game. I think uh, – didn't Williams have five touchdowns? Yeah, five TDs. Yeah. So, again, it, it's one of those games where you suck to see a team lose because USC did everything they could um, to win. Obviously, defensively, there's holes. Um, but offensively, there's nothing more you could have asked from them. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said, there's – it's a shame that one of these teams has to lose, but they really do. And but again, this is not the end of the world for USC. A loss against one of the better teams in the country, one of the better teams in the Pac-12, is not a terrible loss. And they still have everything to play for. You know, they could get to the Pac-12 championship potentially, and then um, uh, have the potential of getting in the playoffs. So it's still everything is available for them. Okay, last one real quick. Oregon State, Washington State, just kind of interesting. Oregon State, a team that's five and two, only two close losses. Um, kind of interesting that we've got this good of a team and no one talks about them, but I don't know. We'll see going forward because they have, let's see. Actually, they got a really easy road. They've got Colorado, Cal, Arizona State. That they should win all three of those games. The only I think they play two, Washington and they, Oregon. They play though. Washington and Oregon, but like those two are like the only hard games. And the Washington game, I'm I don't know if Michael Penix is kind of like falling off a little bit. And same with Washington, like in general, which I would I was hoping for better things from them, but. The, the tough one is the Oregon game, but that 
is in Oregon State. So like or at Oregon State. I don't I can't remember the what's the name of the town? Um Eugene? No, that's for Oregon. Oh, Oregon um, State? Yeah, Oregon State's what's their hometown? It's I can't remember. Um, regardless, it's but it's at home for them. And uh I just that would mean that Oregon State has a chance of going nine and three or like potentially ten and two out of this run. Maybe yeah. a worse eight and four. So that's that's amazing for them. And I, I would be feel really great for them. Anything from this real quick before I move on? Uh it was just one of those games where again, um Cam Ward of Washington State, he had almost four hundred yards passing, but there was no run offense to Bennett to complement it. So it was a very predictable offense for Oregon uh, State to dissect. Meanwhile, whole another story for Oregon, they were able to pass it and run it for almost the same um, spread, although they were much better running the ball. Um, and they played – I think they had the time possession battle won as well. So they were able to pull away late. It, um, Washington State was trying to come back, um, but Oregon State got a clutch touchdown in the fourth quarter, and they just cruised from there. Okay, so now moving on to the Heisman standings. Ian, I want to hear your top Heisman picks right now. Um, Blake Corum, um, Charbonneau, uh, Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, but my front runner is Hendon Hooker. What about C.J. Stroud, dude? Yeah, C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Come on, man. C.J. Stroud, his numbers are ridiculous. That's, like, why you have to say him, like – like as much as the rest of those guys are very good, it's just CJ Stroud's numbers are like otherworldly right now, and that's really the difference. And he he'll probably throw for like fifty TDs, and like if he's throwing for fifty plus TDs, then he's definitely got a real uh, high chance of winning it. Um, I have CJ Stroud, Hendon Hooker, Bryce Young, DTR instead of Charbonneau, Caleb Williams, and Blake Corum. Okay, moving on. CFP picks. I got. Uh, last two out, I got Ole Miss and UCLA, uh, just because if UCLA wins out, there's no denying them getting in, uh, Georgia at four Clemson at three, Tennessee at two and Ohio state at number one. What do you got? I have almost very close. I got Ohio state at one, Tennessee at two Clemson at three. Yeah. Michigan, I did put it four. Yeah. Uh, Georgia at five and UCLA at six. Nice. Okay. So we're very close on that. And I think. I think I'm just – I just want to see more from Michigan. That's all I got to say. I, well, I they know. got their big win. They, I know, but I just – a top-10 team, and that's why I gave them the nod over Georgia. Because I understand. But I, you, you know what I how I feel about the Big Ten, and you know how I feel like – I just – I need to see Michigan play someone like Ohio State, and then we can definitively say – if they deserve to be there or not. And they did it last year and they deserve to be in the playoff. They got smoked, but they deserve to be there. And I'm not going to deny that, but until they beat someone like Ohio state, I'm not going to give them the credence that they think they deserve, which I don't think they deserve right now. Okay. Real quick. Let's do the week eight look ahead, which one second. I just always have to do this. I don't know why I always wait to do this to the very end. Okay, so on week eight, we don't have much big games, so we're only going to do like there's like I think eight of them total. Um, so the first one is Iowa, Ohio State. Ian, who do you have in there? Um, I got the Buckeyes. I know Iowa State definitely has one of the best defenses in the country, but I think there's two dynamic of talent on the offensive side for Iowa State or uh, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go uh, Buckeyes win. I'll go with a 38-9 to nine win for the Buckeyes. I think the Iowa defense at least was able to hold them a bit, relatively speaking. Yeah. Uh, I think Iowa scores no points because their offense is terrible and Ohio State's defense is good. And I'm going to say Ohio State scores like 45 and they call off the dogs by like midway through the third quarter because they don't want to embarrass them. Okay, Syracuse-Clemson. I'm going to go first. This is a very, very intriguing game. I love the Syracuse team just because I think, I don't know, I'm just intrigued by this team a lot. 
and uh, I shouldn't use intrigue twice, but I'm using it. So um, I think Clemson's going to win just because I think Clemson's a better team. But I think Syracuse keeps it close. If this game was in the Carrier Dome, I would probably lean more towards Syracuse. But because it's in Death Valley, I'm going to lead more or lean more towards uh, uh, Clemson. I'm going to say Clemson wins probably 28 to 24. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? I, I'm going to go with a very close one as well. I think yeah. it's going to come down to because both of these defenses actually do very good against the run. So yeah. I think it's going to come out of the passing game. And I think Clemson's passing game is superior there. Yeah. So I'm going to go um, Clemson wins late. I'll go with a 30 to 24 victory for the Tigers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one is Texas, Oklahoma state. Huge game. Uh, could decide the big 12, uh, championship participation or participants one of them at least because i think the loser of this more than likely is completely out of it so ian what do you got in this game again i it's one of those things where it's like you pick a team i think texas i think their offense is better but i'm going to take the more complete team i'm going to take oklahoma state and this one i think they rebound yeah um texas's defense has been very solid but I think they're going to, you know, have trouble with, you know, having to deal with uh, Richardson and Sanders. So I'm going to go Oklahoma State wins. I'll go 27 to 24. Although I will say out of all the games I'm picking, this is the one I will not be surprised if I'm running. Yeah. Uh, I think Texas is going to win, and I think it's going to be close. But I'm going to say uh, Texas wins 35-31, and I'm leaning towards this offense uh, doing well is because Quinn Ewers has been doing quite well the last couple of games, and also Oklahoma State's defense has taken a step down since uh, uh, the defensive coordinator Knowles left last year. Um, So uh, I think that – Texas will hold on, but I still think Oklahoma State is going to keep it close, though. Uh, okay, Ole Miss, LSU. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ole Miss probably wins this because Ole Miss's offense is very good, and LSU's defense is not very good. And I will say that Ole Miss probably puts up 42. And I'm thinking LSU probably puts up like, I don't know. I mean, I know LSU is going to score. I'd say probably 30. That's what I'm going to say. So 42 to 30. What do you got, Ian? Um, I, I think this one's going to be a shootout. Um, I think Daniels has a good game. Um, I think actually he might have a better game, but I think – Ole Miss is more adapted to this situation. So I'm going to go with Ole Miss in a high-scoring one. I'll go to a 40-30 win, almost identical, um, for the Rebels. Okay. All right, UCLA-Oregon. Huge matchup between uh, two uh, highly ranked teams. Uh, UCLA coming in undefeated. Uh, with both DTR and Charbonneau and Bobo and Oregon, you know, Bo picks has kind of turned it around a little bit. Um, does he continue to have a good game or a, a good, um, you know, season or does he implode in this game? Uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on this one? So this is, a, I, I think, going to be a very good game. Um, it, it's tough to pick. Um, because I, these teams are very even in terms of talent. But I think what it's going to come down to is that they have to deal with um, the mobility of Thomas um, and the running attack of Charbonneau. Um, Bonix is a pocket passer almost exclusively. Um, so it, when he drops back, it's much easier for the defense to adapt to it. And the running attack, while it has been good, I don't think it's as, as deadly as that. I think the UCLA offense keeps Oregon off balance, and I'm going to take the Bruins in this one. So I'm going to go with a 28 to 21 win for UCLA. Damn. 
Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go with 42 to 31 just because I think um, this UCLA uh, offense has really not been stopped by anyone so far this year. And I think they're going to put up a good, uh, good performance again. And uh, but I think Oregon will keep it relatively close, and you know they're not going to fade away, but they're not going to be exactly like I don't know. I just think they're going to be. It's going to be almost like this: the Ole Miss Auburn game, kind of similar, where it's like uh, UCLA will have a lead, comfortable lead throughout, and you almost never feel that. Oregon is going to win the game. Okay. Uh, just an odd one that I figured I'd throw in there, BYU-Liberty. I don't really know either way what I feel about this game because, you know, BYU already has three losses and Liberty is playing strong now. Um, it would be great for Liberty to get a win here. Um, it would be good for their season. Um, but I think BYU bounces back. I'm going to say BYU wins 32 32- I'm going to say 27, close one. What do you got, Ian? I guess this counts as an upset of the week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to take Liberty. I really feel like Liberty because BYU's defense has been not that good. Um, but Liberty's offense has been very – obviously, <laughs> Gardner-Webb last week was not a good example. Um, but they have been able to put points up um very effectively against defenses that are not up to snuff. So I'm gonna take Liberty this one. I think this game's gonna be a shootout and I'm gonna take Liberty going 38 to 33 for the Flames. Okay. Last three, Mississippi State, Alabama. This ah, man, if Mississippi State had beaten Kentucky, this game would be huge. Um, but also Alabama loss as well. So they both kind of licking their wounds here. Um, Ian, what are your thoughts on this? I think Bama has a letdown game, but mm. uh, Bryce Young uh, uh, wills them to a win. So I think it's going to be, you know, Nick Saban's going to have to play keep away again, but I think it works this time. Um, I'm going to go with a 31 to 20 win for the Tide. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines. I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit closer, though. I got 35-28. I just think that um, Bama's defense is kind of, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's not as good. I don't know what it is. But maybe maybe they have a better game. I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm just kind of frustrated with this Mississippi State team. I would have hoped they'd played better against Kentucky, and they really kind of shit the bed, so it's kind of disappointing. Okay, Minnesota-Penn State. Um, Penn State coming off that loss to Michigan, Minnesota coming off a loss against Illinois. I'm going to say Penn State's the better team here. Um, I'm going to say Penn State wins probably 27 to like, I'd say 20. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Um, this is my legitimate upset of the week. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I think Minnesota wins. I, act, I, I totally think Minnesota is going to win this because I saw how bad they got gashed, Penn State did, against yeah. a really good running back attack of Michigan. And Ibrahim of Minnesota is just as deadly. So if they don't adjust in time, mm-hmm. they're going to be running all over them. And I think that's what happens. I'm going to take the Gophers in this one. I'm going to go with a 27-19 to 19 win for Minnesota. All right, you're going the opposite, but similar score. Okay, last game. This is actually uh, another Big 12 uh, championship participation game, or potentially one of them. Uh, TCU undefeated, Kansas State one loss. Um, This is a very interesting game because both of these offenses are very high-powered. They can move the ball and score a lot. I mean, Kansas State had that one game – against Iowa State, I believe, where it was like 10-9 to game. But uh, besides that, Kansas State has been able to score on pretty much everyone, including a Missouri team that has one of the better defenses in the country where they scored like 40 points against them. So 
I just like this TCU offense. They're just high powered. They're very explosive. I'm going to say they probably score like 45 points. And I'm going to say Kansas State probably scores like 28. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Uh, my prediction is that Kansas State will take a lead into the fourth quarter, but TCU makes the big plays to survive. Yeah. And I'm going to take the Frogs in this one. I'm going to go. 34 to 28 for TCU. Okay. All right. That is the week eight look ahead. So we are done with this week. So um, not as many big games this week. There's still some good ones, but not like as a smorgasbord as it was last week. But uh, um, you can reach us at haterradio.com for all of our articles. Um, You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at hater underscore radio uh hater radio one at gmail.com is our email ian what are your socials yes uh g double underscore gator double underscore g for instagram and g gator g for youtube all right that's it everybody we'll see you next week later